This is the Kaniac Report. I am Sam Wallace. And I am Sam Driscoll. And you know what? What? It's okay that we can win without Ajo. Maybe. All right, we are back with another episode of the Kaniac Report. We hope you've had a great week. And the Canes have mostly had a pretty good week. Uh, just so you guys know, at the time we are recording this right now, we're recording this before the Pittsburgh game. We're going to have a segment later in the episode of us just talking about the Pittsburgh game and ending out the episode. So we're going to get to some news first like we usually do and this is going to be more some NHL news for you guys in the fact that there was a board of governors meeting and whenever there is a board of governors meeting I do want to report this because this affects the Hurricanes and the league at large and it's official we already talked about this in, in probably quite a few episodes before but there was a one million dollar increase in the cap after this year that has become official and this is due to the fact that players still have to pay an escrow money and for you fans if you're a lawyer listening to us that's awesome you probably know what escrow is but it's basically a third party holding money that still needs to be paid for the reason why is because of all the covid stuff there is a uh collect a bargaining agreement for uh, revenue. There's a 50-50 split between that revenue of the players getting 50 and the other half is the owners. Now, if the player's salary is larger than the revenue, then that escrow evens it out. So that's why there's only going to be a $1 million increase because that money still needs to be paid for. So, Sam, I mean... It's not really surprising, is it, after this year? No. I mean, it's good for it to go up a little bit, so that gives you some wiggle room, especially when you look at the Hurricanes. Just at some contracts that are coming off the books. Ronta's off the books. Anderson's off the books. Stahl is off the books. So you've got... Those are some big contracts right there. That's over $12 million, So because I think Ronta's at around 2.5. Anderson's at around 4.5. Stahl's at 6. So that's at least twelve plus. I mean, then if you want to add Pacioretty's seven, um, Kasha, I guess one and a half, Stasny one. So then you add one to all of that. Um, gives you some room to wiggle because I don't really think Pacioretty comes back unless he just lights it up and he doesn't want to go anywhere else. Maybe Stasny comes back. He wanted to be here to begin with, and if he does well and he'll take a contract similar, that's a good player to have at close to league minimum. Yeah, and plus you look at the contract expiring after this year. There's not really big important ones. I think the most important one's going to be Jordan Stalls. Yeah, I think others, he gets re-signed, but I think he gets re-signed at the very least between three to four million. So you're going to gain still about two million, two to three million in cap space. Yes, and we know the year after that is when everybody's contract is up. So it's going to be very interesting, and hopefully by that time. There's going to be a huge increase in the cap, which oh. it's still projected to be. And one of the things, too, that's going to kind of give Carolina some cap room now is we know the starting goaltender is going to be Pyotr Kachetkov. We have him, I think it's at four by two. Yeah, four, four by, by two. So you can bring in a backup goaltender paying him less than that. 
So, you know, if you want to bring Ronta back at less than maybe one and a half because of the injury problems, you know, that's an option. There are goalies that will be available that you can bring in at closer to, you know, lower, and then you can bring in somebody at league minimum to throw in at Chicago in case something happens. But, you know, Kochetkov's your starter. I really do not think that Anderson gets re-signed. I just don't. He hasn't played a lot at all unless he comes back and is just elite. But even then, I don't see the point. I really don't. I like Anderson. I really like Anderson. But I don't see the point for his contract to be brought back into the fold just because there's... If if Kochetkov hadn't you know really shown that what he can do makes sense. But Kochetkov has shown what he can do. And I do not feel as though it's necessary to uh to to keep signing you know to sign both of these guys again so you sign maybe again you're looking for a backup next year and that's cheaper than an nhl starter especially when you got your rail starter for four years at two million dollars that's just a great contract so carolina's gonna actually i think they're gonna be in a pretty decent situation to start next year with cap because stall your most important pieces you signed stall and kochetkov already or uh, Kochetkov stalls contract. I think might get done before the end of the year, but we'll see. Yeah, so we'll we'll see, and and honestly, time will tell when it comes to the goaltending, because uh, you have Ranta and Anderson um, still have one year left. It's just um, this year after. This yeah, year. it's just this year, but it's still early in the season. You never know. So another thing I want to talk about from that board of governors meeting is that they're also thinking of expanding the regular season to 84 games. I wouldn't mind it because um, right now with the new, the two new expansion teams in Vegas and Seattle, they dropped the amount of games for a seeing in division. So you bring that up to four for every team in your division, you're now going to get 84 games. I actually like that, to be honest. I think... That's something that I could see happening is expecting two more games. I really don't see a complaint for two more games. Do you, Sam? I don't have a problem with a couple more games added to the season. It's not that big of a deal. So I think that's good. It allows you to play it for us, teams like Washington, four times two and home, two away instead of two and one, which some fans will feel like might be unfair, especially if that team gets the two you know, at home. So, yeah, I think that's a good idea because at one point it was like six within your division. So you would have three and three. It was it was high when the divisions were a little differently. When it was the old Southeast division, we saw Washington like six times. So, yeah, I, I feel as though it's a good good idea. Let you play some more rivalry games. It'll help with ticket sales. And you have to understand where some people might complain about this. Let's Let's look at it just financially. You want the cap to go up. Well, this is one of the ways the cap can go up a little bit more because you can exactly. Make more money the NHL makes, which is why teams like Seattle and Vegas, these newer teams, when they do financially well, it helps the league out. So it's not a bad thing. You know, with Carolina doing as well as they have, it's a good thing. It brings revenue into the, um, into the NHL. The outdoor game being as big as it is, that's huge. That's going to help bring revenue into the NHL because that's not a Hurricanes um, uh, uh, event. That's an NHL event. So that's big for the league. So I think it's good. I think it's good for the organ. I think it's good for the NHL. I think it's good to help raise the cap. And I think that's what needs to be done right now. Just due to inflation and everything else, it makes sense to to get the cap up so we can afford players like Aho, who's gonna who's gonna want a pretty big old uh, uh, pay raise. Um, and he's earned it. I mean, I'm sure he's earned it. 
Yes, definitely. And we just want to give some news on the injury front and in the, in the fact that both Pacioretty and Kasha are now practicing with the team in a no-contact jersey. Now, I remember Sam, you telling me, I think it was yesterday, even though it might not be official, that Pacioretty might be practicing in a regular jersey Well, now. it was. I don't think it was a full practice yesterday. I think it may have been. It was closed, so that's one thing. So, again, I don't know if it's, it's no official. I just saw on Twitter that it may have been. He may have been practicing without a, a yellow contact. But if it was more of a skate versus a practice, I can see that being the case. Um, yeah, true. But um, you never know. We'll see what happens, right? Yeah, definitely. So we hope that those players get really healthy. And I think Pacioretty's expected return is probably going to be around the start of the new year. So it could be close. And hopefully when Ajo gets back healthy, because remember, he's been injured for a while, that bringing those two players back, oh my gosh, that's that could make this Canes team scary, especially the way they are playing right now. And a good news is though is that Anderson seems to be a full participant at practice. And that's, I mean, that's good. You want your goalies healthy. You it really do. Matter. And I, I've seen. I guess the thought now is Carolina is probably going to carry three. And I think that's the right way. And I, and I, I tend to think it's the right decision here. And I want to spec. I want to say this here. I thought Ranta for not having for not having played in like two weeks looked okay yesterday. I, I was worried. I, I was concerned that Ranta would come in, be really, really shaky. And I thought he was very good early on. He actually made a lot of big saves. So I, I like what I got from Ranta yesterday. He did allow a couple leaky ones, but I'm not really about to fault the goalie who hasn't played in two weeks. So and the last time he performed he got yanked out of the crease so yeah know, that was I'm against not... what was it anaheim i think so so i uh, no, i don't think it was I don't, I'm, I don't remember the game he got pulled in either way when it came comes to 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 ranta it was good for him to get some action i think that's good i mean i think kochetka probably starts through the you know the next few so i think he plays today which we'll talk about i think he'll play um tuesday and we play Thursday away, and then I think he'll play Friday. Or why not we have another game somewhere on this schedule other before... Yeah, so he'll get more opportunities. He'll finish out before Christmas. He'll play the rest of those. I, I mean, he's a workhorse. He's proven that. And I think that's another benefit of Kochetkov. He can start five or six games straight and be okay. Because the way this defense plays is some of those games, he's not going to face many shots. Yeah, he's not. So it's going to be interesting to see how Ronta and Anderson both develop, especially when three goalies are healthy. So let's get to the Carolina Hurricane games. Uh, The first game we will get to is the Detroit game, and this game was the game where we, I believe we started out with no Ajo and Foss, right? Yeah. Or no, no, it, it might have been the Islanders game. I think it was the Islanders game. Yeah, Ajo got hurt, I think, against the uh, against the Red Wing. Yes, he might have. I can't remember. But no Ajo, no Foss. No, the f- no, um, <clears throat> no Ajo or Foss against Detroit. Um, I think we also didn't have no Ajo or Foss against the Islanders. That was the first game without Ajo or Foss because we got a shutout in that game. Oh, that's right. Yes. So... Regardless, there was no Ajo, no Foss uh, in the Detroit game. So first period, 
Canes, I thought looked a lot better than Detroit. They played a lot of the same game they did against the Islanders. It was Shea scoring from Jarvis and KK. Boy, that was a beautiful, beautiful pass from Jarvis. And I think we're starting to, even though he didn't get a point against Dallas, I think we're starting to see KK play a little bit better. And I thought even in the Dallas game, I thought KK was throwing his body around at least. So I think that's good. Yeah, no, for sure. KK's, I think, played better. He's not getting the points, but I don't care really if he's scoring because Natchez and Svechnikov are. So if he's getting assists, I'm okay. If he's setting up plays, I'm okay. Because a lot of the times, you know, like if you pay attention, KK has been a, a part and setting up the play that'll lead to a goal, and I like that. So as long as he's doing his job, he's out there to create time and space. Um, If I'm honest, I didn't like KK's game, this most recent one. I did not. Oh, the Dallas game. I didn't think he looked very good against the against the Stars. I thought he was kind of invisible and didn't. I mean, Svechnikov was great, Nature was great, but I thought KK was bleh. I thought he avoided hits. I thought he wasn't really trying to make plays. I thought he was just kind of doing the motion. So I thought he had a bad game. Um. But other than that, he, I, I'm I think KK in general has looked good, so I'm I'm okay with him having a bad game. Every player does. I think a gracious day Ajo can have a bad game. It's okay. Um, but I, I'm fine. I think KK's been looking better, and I think he he thrives in situations where he's called upon more. Yes, he does. And again, just a beautiful pass from Jarvis to uh, set up Shea, and that was a power play goal too. So it's one to nothing. Canes are winning so far against Detroit, and that turns out to be the final score, one to nothing. Second period, I thought Detroit had Carolina pretty well, actually. Detroit really came out in the second period. It even proved in the shots, where Detroit had 13 shots, Carolina had 7. But I thought in the third period, Carolina kind of rebounded back. And this was also, yeah, this wasn't the Detroit game. But I think what was really important in that first period was um, Detroit pretty much almost had a five-on-three shot, but they got called for a penalty. And I thought that was huge. Yeah, that helped Hurricanes finish off that kill. Um, Because if they score, it might be a different game. But I thought the Hurricanes, this would mean the the Islanders game and the Detroit game, the Hurricanes defense was very, very good. Um, Obviously, Detroit was a significantly more of a threat than the Islanders were. And that's not abnormal. I mean, the Islanders are a great team, but they had also played the night before. Um, so it, it was. I thought it was a good. I mean, the Hurricanes defense played very good against the Island and against Detroit. Um, yes, Detroit had a good, good second period, but they really didn't have a good first, and they definitely didn't have a good third. So... Yeah, and uh, my bad, uh, that 5-3, I think, was the Islanders game. So... Five on three chance because I was looking. I was just looking through the penalties there for the Detroit game. I don't think that was the instance. I think it was the Islanders game. It's possible those games were very similar. <laughs> yeah, they were. They were really similar, and and they had to be pretty similar because you don't have the offensive threat that you have with Aho and even with Foss and Darren. I know Foss is a very good defensive forward, and he's been snake bitten yeah. in my opinion. He still produces some offense. Yeah, for sure. So, 
Canes had to play a very defensive type of game with Aho being out. And I mean, once nothing, I like the win. I wish Carolina could have scored more, but again, they had to play a defensive type of game. And that is naturally how they play, is a defensive type of game, even though we kind of didn't see that here in the Dallas game. Yeah, it's true. Um, or really the Kraken. Yeah, or really the Kraken, which, you know what, Let, let's go ahead and get to the, the Kraken, because there's really not much to say about the Detroit game. No, just one goal, and it was a defensive. I mean, Kochetkov again, elite. Yes, and he and again after this game, Kachekov he has two shutouts in a row. That is just amazing. And eventually, when we get to the Kraken game, he sets uh, a franchise record and an NHL record for, as a rookie goaltender of not allowing in a goal over a large period of time. So yeah. I congrats. That player, he has been doing excellent. So, first period against the Kraken. Um, we do want to know if Jesper Fast is back in the lineup, which is great. And in that first period is Fachnikov scoring, making it one to nothing. Such a great shot. And Svech was actually able to impede uh, one of the St. Louis defensemen to... It hit his leg, I believe, and he got the loose puck. It was just him and the goalie, and he snipes it. Svetch, he has, to me, the best shot in the game. I know there are some that will debate maybe Jarvis as the most natural goal scorer, and I do think Jarvis is up there. I just think Svetch is more polished I think in Svetch, his shots. The reason why we had those arguments is Svetch hadn't really come into his goal scoring what what we had wanted for him when we got him in the draft right exactly and i think this season he's he's on pace for that he's on pace for those closer to the 40 or 50 mark which is great that's what you want um no he just needs to keep scoring and that's what we want from him yes definitely so one to nothing and then it is step on from jury and dahan one thing I do want to point out in the Seattle game is that fourth line, Nason, Drury, Stepan, they played very well, and I thought they played very well last night as well. That fourth line has really been, been going, and it's interesting because I remember this might have been before the Dallas game started, but they showed an interview of Stepan. And it was interesting of what he said because he had two disallowed goals back-to-back very early on in the season. Yep. And he says that teared his confidence, and I can see why. That's very frustrating. And I think that was part of the reason why we had a huge stretch of Stepan in the lineup. He just wasn't playing the same. He wasn't playing what we usually saw of him, especially from last season. Yeah. But now he got a goal. He, you can tell he was so happy when he got that goal. Oh yeah, and he needed it. And you can tell in his play. You could tell that that carried over into the next game too. So that's huge. Uh, he didn't score against uh, Dallas, but he looked good against Dallas. And yeah, he did. He, that is literally all you can ask for. And and I really like Drury um, in that fourth line because uh, he's. He brings a little bit of youthfulness in that lineup with Stepan kind of being a veteran forward at this point. 
and Stepan, he's kind of around the same boat, even though um, Stepan has more of a pedigree of being pretty good. I mean, several seasons ago, Stepan had like 50, 60 points. Yeah. Very good with the Rangers. Yeah, well, so, I mean, he also played in a... I think he was in top six at that point, so... <clears throat> yeah. But that's also a thing, you know, when Stepan can go, he can also play in your top six. So, you know, I think it's important to know um, that, you know, if KK starts to really struggle, you have people who can step in. Stasny's proved he can play number one center still. Stepan, I have no problem if he had to take over number two center. Um, Natchez can always slide to the center. Uh, I mean, Jarvis is a natural center. You have a lot of options for people who can play at center. So if KK does not work out number two, you can still move someone to that number two slot who will be successful on this team. So Stasny's proven he can do top, so top six. So my feeling is there if Stasny can do it, I'm okay putting Stasny at number two if KK just doesn't start to work out. I really think his floor for KK is number third line center. And that's cheaper than Stahl is currently, and he's our third line center. I know Rod doesn't like to label lines, but that's just part of the reality. So, well, I think as a coach, it's, it's good to have that mindset as a from a coaching perspective uh, of not labeling your lines. But I think, kind of like what you said, it, it's part of reality. And the reason why we label lines is because of the amount of ice time. There's only so much ice time you can give to your lines. And I think that's what labels the lines. Like your first line is probably going to have more ice time than probably maybe, I mean, maybe your second, but definitely your third or fourth lines. It's the ice time that labels the lines. So we'll, we'll see how step on does. Um, I think he can, I mean, he played very well against Dallas and we hope he, he can get some points maybe against Pittsburgh uh, once uh, we review that game. So it's 2 nothing into the first. And just want to point out, Carolina, 14 shots. Seattle, 4. I thought that was the most dominant period I have seen this Canes team play without Ajo. Yeah, they looked good. They looked buzzing. They I thought offensive. they were better than the Islanders game. In that yeah. first period. Oh, yeah. No, I mean, they were clearly going. They were ready to go. They wanted to score. And I think I looked over at you before they scored the first goal and was like, they have to get something this period. And then, like, a minute later, you get the um, you get the goal from... Um, Step. Step on? Svechnikov. Oh, Svech. Okay. You get the goal <laughs> from Svech. And that was great. You wanted to get something. I still felt like you wanted at least one more after such a dominant period. And they had so many chances. It could have been five to nothing canes. Grubauer played like you Seattle has wanted him to play. That's why they paid him the money they paid him and what they expected from him. That's why he looked so good. So this was expected. <laughs> yes, definitely. I really do think Grubauer is a very good goalie. And one thing I want to say about Seattle here. Um there are a lot of people in the media. I'm not going to call out names here or anything, but a lot of people in the media, especially in the Canes media, that think Seattle is such a great team. They haven't played that well in the past couple of weeks. I think they're still on a losing streak. I mean, I'm going to check Seattle here, but they have not played how they've played um, 
a few weeks before. I, I mean, they've only won one game in the past six games. Seattle has. And with Seattle, I think they have a good offense. I really do. I love Burkowski. I love Bjorkstrand. I thought Bjorkstrand was a great pickup for C- Seattle. Beneers is a good, youthful player. He, I mean, he showed how good he was against us. Beneers is a great player. It's just that defense. And they. I think they do have a good starting goalie in Grubauer. But I think he's kind of in the same boat as... Bobrovsky in the fact that he hasn't really lived up to his full potential. Yeah, so sure. I, I really think Seattle's a bit overrated, but I, I mean, this is still a very um, interesting team. And the, the division that they are in isn't really a good division. It just isn't. Nobody in the West is really good, <laughs> except maybe Colorado and Vegas. And Dallas. I'm telling I love Dallas's team. I think I really think I mean in general the West doesn't have a lot of good anything right now. Most of the teams out there are not good. Where in the East you could see even like the worst team in Philadelphia showed they've, they in the early on in the season they can win. So, you know, even the worst team in the East and Columbus has a lot of great pieces. You know, I, I just at the end of the day I think you move our two worst to the West and they probably might be looking at closer, you know on the cusp of like a wild card spot. I just, I feel the Eastern conference teams as a whole are, are built better than the West Western conference teams are right in this moment. Cause you could have said the difference that, you know, differently maybe 10 years ago, but right now the Western conference teams in general aren't very good. Yeah. And I was, and again, I was specifically t- aiming toward the Pacific division because I do think the central is better than yeah. the, the Pacific division. I, I, Dallas, I think, is a really good team. Winnipeg's finally showing that they're very good. And I still think, even though Colorado has not played their game yet, I still think Colorado makes the playoffs because they're that good of a team. So let's get back to no, the, They're actually sitting in a playoff spot right now. Well, they are, but I still think they're a top three team in that division. They'll have to fight for it, that's for sure, right now. Oh, they will, but I, I, I think Colorado's better than Minnesota. He's occupying that number three spot right now. Well, yeah, I don't think I, I honestly think all Minnesota really has is Kaprizov. So, yeah, I kind of see that a little bit too. But I have no real belief in in, in, in Minnesota as a team. I actually think that they fall out because I think St. Louis is better. I think St. Louis figures it out and they move up. So. Yeah, Nashville, it's going to be And I think if Nashville figures it out, they could do something. Again, and I think Arizona's got a lot of good pieces, so you never know. Arizona could surprise and move into a wild card spot. I would love that for that organization, for sure. I mean, I feel like they probably want Bedard more than they want a playoff spot, but I don't know if they're going to be quite as bad as Chicago. So, Yeah, Chicago's a dumpster fire right now. So let's get back to the uh, Seattle game. So it is 2 nothing. Canes are winning, and in the second period, I think I've told you this, I have never seen at a game Canes being awarded a penalty shot and scoring, and that's what Nason did. Yeah, I don't think I've ever had that either. And I was really happy to see that. It was a great goal. I was actually surprised by what Nason did, because it was a slap shot. Yeah, that it was. He- that he threw at Grubauer. And I think Grubauer was a little surprised, too, because most most of the shootout, I mean, it's basically the same format as a shootout. 
it's going to be a little bit more crafty probably than that. But Nathan was like, you know what? I'm going to spice things up here, and I'm going to take a slap shot. And good for him. It worked. I have no complaints. Yeah, it definitely worked, and it's three to nothing hurricanes. And I think when it became three to nothing, I think I kind of felt like, okay, I think Carolina could pull out a win here. But then they did what the Carolina Hurricanes of old would do, and that's sit back and relax and not try to push anymore. Because really, after that goal, Seattle was like, oh, we actually got to play hockey. And they they pushed, and they pushed hard. Yes. I I didn't think they pushed as hard um, in the second period as they they did in the third period. They started building their game at the end of the second. But they, yeah, they started building their game toward the end of the second period there with Donato scoring. That kind of gave Seattle some life. So it's three to one. Carolina Hurricanes still have a two goal lead. And in the third period, that's when the Hurricane fans get nervous as Daniel Sprong scores. Make it three to two. And I mean, that Sprong goal, I mean, Kachekov, yeah. Was that a leaky, very a leaky goal for him? Yes. But you know what? He's played so well. It's kind of hard to fault him on a goal like that, in my opinion. Because of just how good he's played. Every goal he allows a leaky goal every now and then. It's normal. I'm sure Shesterkin's done it, Sorokin has done it, and Vasilevsky's done it. It's okay. It happens. The greats do it. Brodeur, I know, has let in leaky goals in his career when he played, so... yeah. It's not the end of the world. You let in a leaky goal, but you don't let it get to you. And Kochetkov did not. He played great the rest of the game. So yeah, he did, and the, and that's what matters. That that's what separates you from a gold good goaltender to a great goaltender is what do you do when you let in leaky goals? Do you let it um, destroy your confidence, or do you um, not let it destroy your confidence and be like, no, I'm going. This is in the past. Now I'm going to be better, and. Kachekov really did have that mentality. And and he needed to hang on because the Hurricanes didn't try anything afterwards. Yeah, he really did need to hang on. I was getting really mad at the Canes in that third period. And even though the shots won't tell you that story, because uh, Carolina actually led that period in shots. Uh, which, to me, really surprised me because I thought Seattle was the better team that third period. But I mean, when you have a three to two lead, you cannot have a just hanging on mentality, or you could also say you cannot play just a waste of time. You have to play to score. And the Canes, and this is just from what I saw, you guys could have saw it differently. I don't think they played enough to where they wanted to score. I don't like that hanging on mentality. That, 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 that's what I call it, is, is them just trying to waste time. And that's what got us in trouble against Dallas. <clears throat> well, I thought the Dallas thing was more of us um, taking a breather instead of... Because, I mean, those two goals in Dallas game... Um, and we'll we'll get to it, but that was between Sagan and Hawk and Paul. That was within two minutes. I was sitting next to someone at the game, and and she was like, "Oh, that one stings a little bit because it was former Carolina Hurricanes legend Yanni Hawk and Paul who scores the, I think it was the tying goal. So that was upsetting. 
Yeah, and we've had Hawk and Paul on this team, and we know he's not an offensive juggernaut. No. He's completely the opposite. Yes. So, back to the Seattle game. We're just going to wrap things up here. Canes do win it. That's the most important thing, even though I didn't like how it ended. They win it 3-2. to two. So, now let's get to the Dallas game. Canes kind of played a similar game to the Seattle game. I thought they came out better. Even though I thought um, they didn't have that much of a dominant first period as they did against Seattle, I still thought they had a pretty good fight. And to be honest, just from watching this game, I mean, you could say Dallas probably... Maybe in that third period, Dallas might have been the better team. I thought throughout the whole game, it was just a great battle between the two teams. I don't think one team was dominant over the other. Of course, in my seats, I didn't... I mean, I was very close to the ice in this game. So it was kind of hard to um, see the ice a bit, even though there were great seats. So... We'll start with the Nason goal as uh, Nason gets a beautiful tip from Teravine and Burns. All it took was four seconds into that power play. Carolina score one to nothing. Great tip from Nason. And Nason, I'll admit, he's he's good around the net. He really is. I don't. I, I I don't know how I feel of him having a permanent full-time spot on the power play, but good for him. Yeah, he's actually looked really good the last couple games, like really good. So that's great for him. As long as he keeps playing hard, that's all I can ask for. Yes, definitely. So Nason from Teravine and Burns, and a player that I was really happy with this game was Teravine. He got an assist on that goal, and later he will get a goal. And it is one to nothing. Hurricanes. They do very well. They did very well in getting that power play goal. And then it's Fechnikov from Dehan and Chatfield. Chatfield finally gets his first point as a Hurricane. Very happy for him. Uh, Are you sure? Why well, for the season? I thought he at least had an assist with the Hurricanes. I don't think he did. I could have I mean, swore he had points. I mean, it's possible he didn't. I, I thought he had, but it's to be fair, I don't remember. It's been a while. Um, but yeah, his first point. Um, that's crazy. I honestly thought he'd been playing better than that. But I mean, you know, to be honest, it's just. I mean, I'm not at the end of the day overly surprised. He hasn't exactly been, you know, elite or anything like that. So. I thought he's been okay. But he is a flashy defenseman due to his speed. Like, his speed is just really good. Skating, amazing. And that kind of helps with um, DeHaan's skating. As DeHaan's skating might not be the best, but I think DeHaan provides a good shutdown third-pairing defenseman, which I think is kind of what you need. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, when it comes to points, however, I do think KK needs to step it up. Seven points is not enough. Oh yeah, it's as much not, as I, it's as not. much as I've been okay with his play, he needs more than that. Significantly more than that. Again, once Pacioretty and Aho come back, I could see KK being that fourth line 
center. I really could. Because I think your top six is, to me, solidified when those two players come back. Teravainen, Ajo, Pacioretty, Netris, Svech, Jarvis. I think that's your top six. And if you want to be technical about it, too, uh, you would think that because of the skill that you supposedly believe KK has, he should be able to take advantage of, of, of other teams' fourth lines, especially when you're going to have wingers of, like, Andre Kasha. Right, and Paul Stasny. I mean, McKay might go back to the wing. He might play on the wing on the fourth line. So you would think a fourth line was Stasny, Kasha, and uh, um, KK would be, would, would be really good. So you might have another scoring line. So that's what you would hope. Yes. So we'll see how that goes. But um, it's 2 nothing Carolina, and then it's Pavelski scoring on the power play. I don't really blame Ronta. As Ronda, we know Ronta started this game, obviously, and it, it's been some time since Ronta's played. And it was a deflection out in front. Belvowski tipped it, so I, I mean, it happens. I saw Jason Robertson wind up for the shot, and I was like, oh crap, that's going to find a way in. So, and it was, it was tipped by Pavelski. Yes, and Pavelski, I'm telling you, he, he's kind of been, um, oh, uh, the Yamir Yager of, a little bit of Yamir Yager of today. Even though Yager's not playing in the NHL anymore, Felsi, he's like 38 years old, and he's doing amazing in Dallas. So, I mean, good for Pavelski for kind of um, still playing in the NHL despite his age. So it's 2-1. to one. Carolina's winning. And in the second period... We have uh, Dallas scoring again on the power play. Yeah, both teams were really good on the power play, not so much on the penalty kill. Yeah. Um, good thing that didn't really affect this game, though. The penalty kill did. No, yeah. So it's been scoring from a power play. And, I mean, that second goal, that was also a tip. I think, all, except for the Hawk and Pockle, all all these goals were tipped in so there's only so much you can blame on Ranta even though I thought the second goal he might could have had to be honest but Ben gets the game tying goal it is two to two and then Kane's get a five on three power play opportunity and what's funny I I told you this last night I'm just gonna say it here on the podcast I had a fan right next to me who, it might have been their ad, the, the official's actual names, I can't remember, but one, he, he named one of the officials, I believe, um, Steve. And when we got that five-on-three power play, he yelled, Thanks, Steve! <laughs> Which was just so funny. He was doing that throughout the game. I was laughing so hard. And But the Canes get a five-on-three power play. And it is Teravainen scoring his first goal, finally, for the Hurricanes from Natchez and Burns. And Burns, he's really been turning on two assists for him tonight. Yeah, no, that's great. Gotta love it. Gotta love that we're getting points from Burns. That's what you wanted. And you just didn't get that to start the year. But it's, he's really turned into the player you hoped he would, so... Yes. Yeah, he has. Uh, The only thing I might have some complaint about Burns is the fact that he might have some defensive issues. It's not much, though. And I'm, I know I'm nitpicking here, 
but there are some times, and we saw it in the overtime, where if he if he gets tired, he can maybe a little bit hurt this team by turning the puck over in the defensive zone. So, but... Because, yeah, he'll turn the puck over. He'll stop skating. He, I mean, you can see installs the same way. They just they lose that ability to skate. Um, but Burns made a lot of really dumb decisions in overtime. So I'm not, I don't want to just gloss over that. And some of the fans almost did something stupid during overtime. Granted, I'm not sure if he was a whole 100% like the Hurricanes fan. I saw some Dallas fans trying to do it, too. And I'm like, oh, you little brats. Don't start the wave in overtime. How stupid can you be? Yeah, that was the guy that was next to me. He was really trying to get the wave going. Not in overtime. Yeah, I know. That was If that you're was up funny. like 5 nothing, or you're clearly going to win the game, go for it. I don't really care. I don't like the wave in general. I think it's kind of dumb. But definitely not in overtime. Because <laughs> one, you're going to have fans who want to watch the game. And two, it's distracting to the players. Yeah, I mean, I, I really don't think that's a good time to do the wave. I agree. If, if you do the wave, you do it when they're up, winning. So I, underst- so I understand you probably don't want to do it in the overtime. Yes. So, Teravion scores on a 5-on-3. I was happy because Canes do not play well on a 5-on-3. They just don't mm-hmm. didn't. And I was really happy they got a goal. It was a, a really nice shot from Tara Vinan as it kind of hit um, Wedgwood's shoulder and in top shelf. But it was a very good game. And Wedgwood, he didn't really ha- play a good game, in my opinion, for Dallas. But that was their backup goalie. And if Ottinger was in net, we might have had a... Different game, I don't know, but uh, it was their backup that was starting that game. And then we get to the third period, and Jarvis showed his tenacity and got to the front of the net, skated with the puck, and he gets it in five-hole, actually, against Wedgwood, and it's 4-2 Hurricanes. And at this point, I thought Carolina was going to win this. Because I was like, they can, Dallas, I don't think, can tie it, even though I think they are especially a very, very good team. Yeah, no, and they proved that they weren't able to, or when they proved that they could, so Dallas. <laughs> Within two minutes, it's Sagan scoring, and I know that was tipped, but it wasn't that big of a direction compared to Ben and Pavelski. It really wasn't. I think Ronta could have had that, and I think. Ronta could have had the uh, tying goal from Dallas and former Canes legend Yanni Hockenpah. Um But I'm not going to blame him for this game, though. Reason why is because it has been a while since he's played the last game, but he didn't have a great game overall. I think he. I, I think with Ronta, he played just enough to get this team. Kane's team to a win. He wasn't exceptional. Yeah. I mean, that's fine. And that's all I wanted from him. He hadn't played in a while. I just wanted him to come out and make some big saves. I actually wanted him to get tested early. And I think he kind of, it took a little while, but I think after Dallas got going, he got some shots on him, which I think was good. Yes. And 
we go into another overtime with it being 4-4. Four to four. Now, in this overtime, Dallas maintained the overtime pretty well almost throughout the overtime. I seriously thought Dallas was going to score. I really did. Because the trio that started for the Canes in that overtime was Stahl, Burns, and Slavin. And Stahl, he couldn't win the faceoff. And I've noticed this in overtime recently where Stahl has not won the opening faceoffs in the overtime. And I, I'm telling you, I, I really love Stahl. I think he has been one of the best players this season for the Hurricanes. But if he if he's struggling to win faceoffs in the overtime, I don't know if you play him in the overtime because. I think you need a little bit more speed. And to be honest, that trio of Slavin, Burns, and Stahl, that's not really a fast trio. Wouldn't you agree, Sam? No, not really. If you lose the faceoff, you're kind of stuck chasing the game. And you could really see that they were chasing the game. Oh, they were. And that's not good. You can't have that. But you know what? Ronta, he was able to make a save when... um, when I think Dallas's best defenseman, um, Miro Heskinainen, uh, comes in, tries to score, but Ronta saves it with his pads by tucking the puck in between his pads. So Carolina was able to get a line change, which was big for them. These players were tired and exhausted. You could just see it with this Canes team. And what's funny is when he's save that puck i i mean i was a few rows from the benches that game i was like brandon moore get new players onto the ice now they need to rest and he did it i think the trio was pesci natchez and svetch that came back on the ice and they did really well too yes they did and they proved in the overtime, that even though possession is very important, you also need to have that speed. And I just didn't think the the uh, stall trio had that speed like Natchez, Fetch, and Pesci was. Now Pesci, he's not a fast skater by any means, but it kind of offs. But with Fetch and Natchez speeds going, it kind of offsets that. So Natchez, I mean, he doesn't win the face off, obviously. But he was able to get the puck in a loose scrum behind the net and create a two-on-one chance. He gives it to Svetch. He shoots it at Wedgwood. He stops it, but then Wedgwood, how he saved it, goes out of his net and passes it to Natchez, who had a wide-open net, and he scores. And the Canes win and that's part of the reason why my throat's probably maybe a little bit hoarse right now as we're recording this because I yelled pretty loud during that goal because I thought the Canes were going to lose in overtime. And I think that's kind of the general consensus right now with Canes fans in the fact that Canes have lost a lot of games in overtime. So you kind of have that feeling that once it gets to overtime, they might not win. But the Canes did win. And I was really happy for them. 
And they won against, to me, a very good team in Dallas. I know you might not think Dallas is that good, but I, I think Dallas is a very deadly team. I think they have their goalie in Ottinger. I think they have really good defense with uh, Heskinainen, Issa Lindell. Even Yanni Hockenpah has been playing pretty defense pretty good defense lately. And I think their four group is just as deadly with young guys and Hints and Robertson. And you finally have your veteran players performing pretty good with Sagan and Ben. So I think Dallas is a very good team. Yeah, Dallas is solid. They'll be okay. They'll be fine. I think they'll make the playoffs. Um I don't know if they're built for a run. I, I just I don't I don't know if that will be okay for them, but you know, in the end, I think Dallas is a solid team, and you got to win. You gave up a point, but it's against a Western Conference team, so it doesn't matter. Just get two points, and you're okay. Yes. And now here is our review of Penguins game and ending the episode. Hope you guys enjoy. So, uh, we just uh, finished watching the Pittsburgh game. My gosh, 11-game point streak. That's just fantastic, especially when quite a few of these games, you're without probably your best player in Ajo. Yeah, we've won five in a row without Ajo. Yes. Um, I still think he needs to be back. I don't want us to be in a situation where we are without Ajo for any longer, but we're doing really well. We're having guys step up like Stahl. Uh, Stepon stepped up really big tonight with two points. I thought uh, Stepon played a very good game. And I thought, to me, the best line was the Stahl line tonight. Uh, Stahl, um, Martinuk, and I believe Faust. Very yeah. good line. Everybody looked like they were doing a really good job. They played well. They fought hard. They they battled adversity when they went down 2-1 to one on a – embarrassing turnover from Jarvis um, that you just cannot make those kind of fancy plays when you're playing a team like Pittsburgh. It's just smart, simple hockey. You don't have to be fancy about it. Um, but they looked good. They beat a division team. It's always fun to win those games, especially when you got all those annoying Penguins fans in the audience. Yeah, there were tons of them tonight in the audience. So, I mean, first period, no goals, not a lot of action. Um, I mean, this is part of the reason why I think we're going to need to start probably get Ajo on the team is, I mean, it doesn't seem like Rez. I mean, we're getting good. Ch- I mean, I think the chances we have are good. Just we're not getting a lot of them compared to when Ajo was on the ice. So, um, but the, I mean, we still battled. I thought this game was a lot similar to the Dallas game where it was just a battle. Um, second period, obviously, Derek Stepan scores, makes it one to nothing. Carolina, very good goal. Um, that he just puts it between the uh, the arms, I believe, yeah. of Jari or De Smith. It yeah, was the Smith thousand goal. Yeah, no, it's always good to to get those goals, those hard get those hardworking goals. Um, and that's what they did. Honestly, all of them were hard. Every goal was a hard fought tough goal tonight from uh the shot from uh shea to the stall battling in front to get the tap in goal um step ons i mean it was just hard fought battling each goal carolina earned it tonight huge win kochetkov again played very well i do not fault him on those goals um 
He's great, but he's not going to get it shut out every night. It's good to see some really tough battling plays from this team. And that is what you want. That is what you need. And it's really important to get that, especially without Ajo. So you need to keep winning without him in the lineup, whether it's short-term or long-term. I've, I've seen some things that sound like it's long. I've seen a few that maybe he's back sooner than later. Either way, you just need to keep staying in the hunt. I mean, you're playing – I mean, the biggest test of this homestand will be Tuesday. You're playing against a Devils team who's lost – Four games in a row. They've lost. Yeah, they've lost a lot of games. They're not looking so good. They were they were like ten points ahead in the standings, not that long ago, like like two three weeks ago, and they've just really severely faltered in their in these standings. So we'll have to see. Carolina can take control of the of the division on Tuesday. I would love that. I think that'd be great to do that in front of your hometown fans. You no, know, to go up into number one. So. I do believe the Hurricanes at the end of the day, if they play like this without Ajo, can you imagine when they get Ajo, Pacioretty, and Kasha back? That's a whole line. If you want to be technical about it, that could be a first line right there because Kasha's a goal scorer, Pacioretty can score, Ajo can score, and those are all really high-end players. So if you want to be honest, you're missing what could be an NHL top six line yeah. from the ice. Yeah, you're mi- I mean, you're already missing quite a bit of offense with all those players out. And... And the Hurricanes, I mean, what they're doing on winning these games is that they're really mastering the defensive side of the game by winning. Because, I mean, they know they probably don't – I mean, they have good skills still with Svetch and Natras and Jarvis and all that type of stuff. But they're playing more of a defensive acumen type of game, yeah. which I really like because it, it is more suited to their type of style and to Brenda Moore's style too. Yeah, I would like to see them play a little bit more of an offensive style game, personally. Um, I think that fits more of the makeup of the team. But um, it's just hard to do that right now with Ajo, Pacioretty, and Kasha out. So and I it feel makes once sense. you get the once you get those players back, you really don't have I in my opinion, you should really be playing um offensive hockey. You should be scoring those four or five goals a night. And I think we'll get to that. I really do. My hope is, and I said this before when Carolina was struggling, usually it's we come out of the gate hot and for the first half of the season we're scoring five, six goals a game. My hope is this year it's the inverse, right? First half of the season is a struggle and the second half of the season is when everything comes together. So if the power play is clicking, the penalty kill is clicking and the offense is clicking, the defense is there, goaltending's there this team is on on their way to at least i would say the eastern conference finals yes definitely and a couple of things that i want to point out uh i, I remember you uh, just mentioned the penalty kill that was elite tonight yeah they allowed a goal oh well they did allow a goal on the power play i forgot but, but um, you, 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 they were really good before then i forgot about yeah, that power play yeah i thought goal. there were some ticky tack calls in general but you still have to kill it. And I felt like when you allow so many penalties and you take so many penalties, that's on the inception that they were all penalties, which is absolutely not the case in this game. But, you know, assuming they're all penalties, you have to kill them if you commit them. Right. And they killed all but one. So against a team like Pittsburgh, you take it. Yeah. And I mean, I did forget about that power play goal, but I mean, before then, I thought the penalty kill was pretty elite. Another thing I want to 
I would say probably the last thing I want to point out in this game is I thought a player that was really noticeable was Brady Shea. I thought this was one of his best games. Brady Shea's been playing great in the past couple of weeks. Um, I've been making the argument. One, I think Pesci doesn't know when to shoot from when not to shoot. He he just doesn't. <laughs> the amount of times that Brett Pesci gets his shots blocked is almost a joke. Um, I think it, Brett Pesci can skate, but when you're on the power play, you need offense, right? And I honestly think that Brady Shea would be a better quarterback. I would like to see that on that side. I would, unit. too. Like I mean, I like Pesci. I wonder if it's, if it's because Brennamore likes to have that right-handed defenseman, and Pesci is he fits that bill. Yeah, but. it's possible. But again, I, I really believe that Brady Shea is the better player to be out there on on the power play. I think he's got more offense. He's proven he's got more offense. Um, again, I don't think Brett Pesci knows when to shoot the puck. I mean. I know some people aren't going to like me for saying that, but I love Brett Pesci. He's one of the best defensemen we have on this team. But he doesn't know when to shoot the puck versus when not to shoot the puck. A lot of times you'll shoot the puck and it's an odd man rush the other way. You'll shoot the puck, it'll get blocked. More than I feel like other defensemen do. Like Brent Burns, you you are brave to get in the way of a shot from Brent Burns. So most people don't try. <laughs> they just try to get out of the way and let the goalie see it. Um, but I just I, I would like to see... I'd like to see uh, Shea quarterback the power play, at least the second unit. Yes, definitely. So, overall, great win from uh, the Pittsburgh game that we saw tonight. Just incredible. I thought it was, I thought it was just a very incredible, good defensive performance from the Canes. So, now let's have our 25th anniversary special moments. You want to go first or me? You can go ahead. Okay, I'll go first. Uh, one of my uh, special moments, I would say, I'm going to go to when a player that we have drafted. And it might not be, I mean, it, it's definitely a special moment because I don't, because we didn't deserve to draft Seth Jarvis at 13th <laughs> because we were in the playoffs. But the reason why I consider that a special moment is because of just the savviness that Don Waddell was able to do of acquiring the first round pick from Toronto, not knowing that they would be in the playoffs or not. Toronto um, could not get past Columbus in the play-in round, which caused that pick to be 13th, which was amazing because when we went to the playoffs, um, I mean, we, I mean, I know we traded one of the, uh, say picks one of those picks was that allowed at that trade in the beginning for the Brady this. Shea. Yeah. It allowed trade. us to get Brady Shea and still maintain a first round draft pick. Yes. Which I mean, I just thought that was just highway robbery from Woodell and, I'm so happy we were able to draft Jarvis from that 13th overall pick. Yeah. And he, he's playing to me like a top 10 pick. I wouldn't, I don't know if I would go as far as saying maybe top three or top. Well, I guess you could say top five. I don't know about top three. Yeah. But Jarvis is playing like one of the best players in the draft right now, in my opinion. Yeah, he's he's playing great again. I thought he. I think his worst game as a hurricane was really tonight. I mean, it's just that he honestly could have had a great game. But what sticks in my brain is that horrendous backhand pass. But in a general, you know, he's going to be a great player in this franchise for a long time. 
Yeah, so that was my memory. What was yours? Well, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, you know, maybe you can call it cheating. Um, but I'd never been to a game seven before, and my first game seven was when we played Boston. Game seven last year, Stanley Cup final, uh, Stanley Cup, uh, first round, and I'm just sitting there, and I mean, I'm sweating bullets. I'm nervous. I'm like, oh my goodness, this team is cannot win on the road, and as you know, later found out we just we were unable to win on the road at all. In the playoffs, which wasn't good, but we came home for game seven against Boston and a team that had just given us fits in the playoffs for the last few years. We took it to them in that game and we won that game. And I was just like, oh my goodness. And just to watch those Bruins fans walk out of that stadium was awesome. It was awesome because those fans got to watch all the Kaniacs leave a couple years ago in game four. And when they swept us. And it was great, great, great to watch Bruins fans leave that stadium unhappy. Um, I don't want to rematch again. I don't want to play Boston again in the playoffs. Not with how good they are. Granted, the way where they're seated and where we probably will be, we won't see them until the Eastern Conference Finals. But I don't want to see Boston again. But that was fun. That was exciting to be at a Game 7 and a win for a Game 7. Oh, yeah, it was, too. I got actually emotional when Canes won Game 7 against Boston just because they've been the bane of Carolina's existence Mm -hmm. because of those past two playoff rounds. So, yeah, Uh, great memories. Uh, We also would like to say congratulations as well to our winner of our tickets. We announced it on Twitter as of uh, Sunday night, but Ashley Buchanan, congrats if you listen to the podcast. Hope you enjoy those tickets and hope you enjoy the game against the Philadelphia Flyers, another Pennsylvania-based hockey organization that is nowhere near as good as their sister organization, the Penguins. So hopefully you get an even greater and more exciting win so far. Everyone who's taken to who's ever everyone who's gotten tickets from this has uh, gotten a win. So good luck. Let's hope that continues. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, enjoy the game, Ashley. Yes. And for those of you who have, who have participated and didn't get it, unfortunately, we're going to have multiple. We're, yep. we're going to have more opportunities. Stay tuned because January is right around the corner and we will have one in January. Yes, we will. Remember, if you like this episode and want to help us, give us a rating and subscribe wherever you get your podcast. Have a great week, everybody.